Welcome to episode 11 of the Golden Balls podcast. I am your host, Jared Reback, and we have a good one today. We have our first in what should be many uh, MLS's back Golden Balls podcasts. Uh, on this episode, we're going to do a review of the draft that occurred as of this recording just last night. We're going to go over each team, uh, kind of see what we think they did well. And of course, we do this knowing that we have no idea what's actually going to happen in this tournament. Uh, but we will have a guest on to do that, look over the draft, and kind of make a preliminary prediction as to who's going to do well and who's not going to do so well in this tournament that, as of now, is slated to start tomorrow night. That is Wednesday, July 8th. But, of course, that news is constantly been changing, uh, you know, so we can only hope that we will get this thing underway with, you know, healthy players and healthy teams and all that. But right after this, we have our guest on to talk about the MLS's back Golden Balls draft. Okay, we're back, and for the second time on the show, we have our guest, Jeff Medham. Jeff, how you doing tonight? How you doing, man? Good, good, good. All right, so we are here to talk about the, uh, I guess, the first and only ever MLS is back Golden Ball draft, which occurred about uh, just under four hours ago as we sit here now. Before we get into the team-by-team kind of breakdown of who we think did well and, and maybe not so well, uh, Jeff, why don't you just first tell me a little bit, why don't we talk a little bit about kind of what your preparation was like for this, especially uh, compared to some of the other drafts that we've done in the other tournaments. Yeah, look, I had literally no experience with M- MLS. I didn't know anything um, whatsoever. So what I did was I basically went through each player, call it 12 teams, um, which turned into 11 when Dallas got taken out of the tournament and I evaluated their 2019 performance, um, what they'd done in 2020. Uh, there's obviously a bunch of, you know, new entrants to the league. So I looked at sort of price tags, how much, how much are these players worth? Um, and then I tried to base my decisions on, you know, minutes played. Um, you get a lot of people who go to international breaks. You get a lot of injuries and, and just reasons they're not with the team. So I didn't want to just go ahead and pick players who, you know, were clear starters but didn't really produce. Um, and my goal was always to just find players who were, you know, super above average in scoring and assisting with the minutes they were given. Um, and I tried to make sure that everybody I, I picked was a starter. And, and largely, if they didn't have as many minutes, it was because they were off, you know, you know, international breaks doing doing or, you know, were injured or whatever. So that's really what I did. And um, I also thought about, you know, what's the scarcity here and how did I think it would play out? I didn't believe I had any confidence in any one team to win. Um, so I thought this might be a crap shoot. I'm not taking a goalie in the first round. In fact, I didn't want to take a goalie, you know, in the t- first 10 rounds, um, because I just think that it's going to be very unpredictable with the, the structure of the tournament, the heat, uh, you know, playing in the morning, COVID, et cetera. So, um, with that, I, I sort of had a similar, you know, thought on defenders. I'm not going to start loading up on the top teams, defenders, I think there's enough enough depth to pick good defenders, and with that, I just I I went for for goals and largely focused on the midfielders at first because I viewed that to be the scarcest of the group in terms of players that were likely to be big producers, um, and and that's how I drafted, and I ended up with a lot of midfielders, but I think the midfielders I got were, you know, some of the best scoring midfielders in the tournament. So 
Um, that was my that was my my view on things. How, how about yourself? But it's funny because I guess what well, this will be a good test case to see because I think I kind of had almost the opposite view. Uh, similar in the fact that again the unpredictability of the tournament um, and everything else. So there were a couple of things I actually went the opposite as you for that reason. And the thing is, I wanted a, a, what I thought to be a good goalie first because that's the only thing we like. We know the goalies are going to play. And I actually did the same with a lot of defenders. I took more defenders early. And my same thought process was that if we're going to assume that it's going to be really hot and that the players are going to struggle for fitness, I actually thought that the midfielders and the forwards would be more hampered by the elements than defenders. Like a center back is not going to do as much running as a central midfielder or a winger or anything like that. So I actually almost built the opposite of yours where I tried to get a lot of good defenders early, figuring that I actually think that they might play more often or more minutes than the best midfielders and forwards. Again, I'm just, that's a shot in the dark guess. Like I have no like scientific reason to back that up. It's just my intuition kind of led me down that road. And the other thing I did was that, you know, and, and we don't know how this whole like group A and B thing is going to work out at all. Um, as of this recording, MLS still hasn't made a decision about that. We don't know if B is going to have three teams and A is going to have six teams or whether somebody's getting moved or any of it. And I just steered clear of groups A and B entirely um, just because I like, what if group B is only three teams and there's only two group stage games per team and like people have to deal with that or we have to, you know, figure out how to mess with that anyway. But like, I just didn't want to get in that mess. And even for the group A teams, like, I don't know what teams are going to be in their group if somebody gets moved, you know, like, like Chicago is a good example. If Chicago stays in group A, like they might struggle in that group. If they move to group B, they might be in better shape. I don't know. So I actually just pretty much stayed away from groups A and B entirely and just figured, let me go with teams that at least as of the draft, I knew were like relatively speaking healthy and I knew what their groups were going to look like. So that's kind of, as I said, I went, you know, defense and goalie to try and get the, the, the crux. I figured there weren't as many great attackers. And I think you, you know, you kind of alluded to that a little bit, but I just figured that like, you know, there's going to be five or six random guys who get three or four goals in this tournament. And none of us have any idea of predicting who they are, but you know, if I throw enough darts at my board, maybe I'll get lucky once or twice with that. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I thought about it in, in my preparation. Yeah. And one thing, so I, you know, you look at the MLS and even the best teams were giving up, you know, well over, even the best defensive teams were giving up well over a goal a game. Um, and so I, I agree. I think the heat, you don't know what's going to happen, but I, I've seen MLS defending and it's so bad. Um, and so that's another reason why I just think my view is that you'll see less points from it's, which is very, very, very possible. this tournament than goals. So it's, and that's that's the counter to I mean so we'll see whose whose philosophy um, bears fruit but that that was also what I was thinking and then and to your last point I, I also spread myself all over nine so, different yeah, things I, I, um, which I was also that, intentional. The funny part is is that and and we can talk about this more specifically but just as an overall I actually there were a couple times where I really wanted to take LAFC players and I just like I was like eh, I don't really have any LA you know I don't. I'm not on them. So I don't really feel like going there. And then it turns out like the fourth round, I took an LAFC player and just like completely forgot. And so now I have like this one like straggler LAFC player at my roster, which is afterwards. I just kind of like face palm myself at, um, but you know, that's rather here or there. All right. So with that said, um, you know, and I'm sure as, as we talk the, over the teams and everything else, you know, the ideas that we just laid out are, are probably going to kind of be interwoven in here in our own philosophies. Um, we had spoken off, uh, you know, off the podcast earlier, and I think we both said that 
we didn't have anybody that we were like overly negative on. And I think that unpredictability is why I don't think any, you know, nobody was taking like the third string forward for any team or anything like that. It seems like most people took a majority of guys who figure to be, to start or play a lot of minutes. So other than that, it all comes down to productivity. Is that, would you say that's a pretty fair way of looking at it? Yeah, I, I, I created the big board that I always do, and I graded players based on, you know, letter grades. And people generally drafted very, very in line um, to what I would have expected, you know, picking off my top players um, pretty, pretty aggressively in the early going. Um, so except for in a few areas where I think I was able to get some pretty top, you know, sort of class later in the draft. But for the most part, um, I All right, totally so let's start at the you. top. Uh, first, alphabetically, we have uh, one of our newcomers, or really, the, you know, the, the one who's really never seen any golden balls in any way before, and that is Brian. And, and you know, my original thought about Brian is that I think he got better as the draft went on. Um, I think a couple of his early picks are not bad players. I don't want to, like, I don't think he took anybody bad. I just think he might have taken some guys that he could have waited on. But again, that's the unpredictability of what's going on, especially when you're, you know, he's coming into this very cold. I have an idea of what some of you guys are going to do or the areas you might look or the teams you might look at. He doesn't really have that background. And so, you know, to him, he might see a player that he thinks is very quality and feels the need to make sure that he gets those guys. You know, that, that, that would be my biggest criticism. Just again, I think he reached a little bit early in the draft, but I think as he got further along, I think he adapted to kind of what he saw going on. And I think that later on in the draft, he actually took a lot of players that I think could be pretty productive. Yeah, I'd agree. I think Morales was a good pick in the first, in the first round. And I say that because I would have considered to take him in, you know, where I took Ladero, because again, I was going for the best midfielders, the guys who I thought were going to put points up from that spot. Um, but then after that, he, he goes, uh, Gil, great player, but I didn't think people would be too high right. on New England. So, so I thought, yeah, you could probably have gotten, um, you know, you could have waited and gotten that later. And then he goes, Pizarro, same thing on Miami. I did not think anybody would be on Miami. And then he went with the, the Polish guy on Philly, who I had as a, as a top uh, striker because there were so few. So he got back to well, by the time he got to round four, I think I agreed. But then Sapong for Chicago, I think he's a backup now, um, probably behind that guy Barrick. So again, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, so yeah, I think Spotty for Brian in his first go. Um, but you know, liked his first pick, and then it went well, a little haywire. And where I think him, he was able to pull I it think. together later was that. Um, there are a lot of people out there, and, and I don't know that I'm necessarily one of them, and not that I'm an expert by any means, but there are a lot of people out there that think that Philly can be, really make a deep run in this tournament. So the fact that he was able to pick up the goalies, not in the beginning of the draft, but as a mid-round pick, you know, which means he didn't waste early draft capital there, also picked up the defender, uh, Gaddis, who I think is it might be their in a normal situation, their best fantasy defender. You know, as you said, Chris Bilko, he drafted earlier, but again, that's their top target there. So, you know, Philly can make a run here, and he does have those guys. He picked up a couple, you know, New York City starters. He got people think they're going to make a run. So I do think that he found a lot of quality uh, later on. Uh, Pablo Piatti is another guy who, brand new to MLS, has never actually played yet in the league, but is, a, you know, 
was a very good player in La Liga. So, that, you know, he, and I think he got good value there. So I see a lot of value later in the draft. And I think that those are the kind of guys that historically, when you look at a winning team, like those are the kind of guys who end up being like key guys. Now I'm not saying his team is overall quality enough to do that. But I think that, as I said, those later round guys, I think that there's a, that he's going to look back and he's going to look at those, you know, guys maybe in that like seven to 11, 12 range that I think are really actually going to come through for him. Yeah, agreed. I liked his uh, Callens pick in round 13, a good defender for New York City. And I agree. I think Philadelphia is, is a lot of, um, you know, they sort of have a lot of momentum to potentially be good. I obviously drafted three of their players. I liked his Mant- uh, Manoatas pick from Houston. I think that was one of the higher quality strikers left in round 16. I got a question going on to Vancouver, though, as a technical Whitecaps fan. I just I could be proven wrong, but they just don't have a lot. Well, and, and again, and again, certainly, right certainly right now um, they don't have a lot after the news of today, where pretty much you know five guys didn't even come with them on you know on the flight. Uh, his the guy he drafted Adnan, which was pretty much his last round or you know second to last round pick, is not among them, uh, but he is a starter. But yeah, you do have to question right now if Vancouver is really going to end up kind of doing anything. But you know, again, seventeenth round pick, so if it doesn't really pan out, it certainly isn't like it sinks them in any way. Uh, shape or form. Uh, do you have anything else on Brian before we move on? Well, what, what uh, grade would you give him? Uh, well, yeah, what, and what, maybe that. What do you think about his uh, Nahar pick for that, Los well, Angeles? I think that's that's the, that's a turning point one because that can because... go either way. Um, obviously, Nahar is skilled enough to right. be a starter and to be successful, but again, he hasn't been there very long. Um, he's Honduran. He's going to be used to the heat. I don't think that's he's going to be affected by that. Um, but it, it, I guess it just comes down to if he's a starter, I think it's obviously, you know, it's, it sounds cliche and simple. If he starts, it's a really good pick and it's a really good pick for value, but it is a risk, right? He might not get as many minutes. Uh, so that yeah. kind of turns out, I, mean, I would say it's like, if you factor in kind of, again, the kind of the, as, as, especially as the newbie and not knowing us, I, I think it was, it, his draft a solid B, I think. I think, as I said, that depth in the later rounds um, is going to, you know, make him look, uh, I think he's going to come out of it looking pretty good, even if a couple of those early guys don't necessarily pan out the way he wants. So I would say about a B is, is about where I give it. What about you? Yeah, I, I'd be a little low, a little lower, I think, because you know I just I'm not high on Miami, um, and you know he's got sort of Houston, Chicago, Miami. He's got a lot on. T- you know, by the way, I started this by saying right. I have no idea what's going to happen, and picking broadly is is a good strategy. That said, he could find himself kind of uh, shorthanded pretty quickly. Um, but you know, I, I bet a, a you know Gill, for example, who I said he could have gotten later, which he could have probably, might have an amazing tournament because I know he's a great player. Um, so I, I'd be a little lower, maybe yeah. like a C. I, I certainly do not think he, I mean, anyone's in the running for last place. Don't get me wrong, but I, you know, I don't think he has the worst roster. I, w- I will say that. Um, all right. Well, I'll, I'll have to see. I haven't really gone through too right, much, but we'll look see. At, we'll uh, see. Gord. He um, went heavy on the NYCFC players later. Also kind of big on, uh, you know, he got, grabbed a couple LA players. And then uh, for me, which is where, you know, again, in my opinion, uh, where it maybe didn't turn out great is I am not big on Real Salt Lake. Um, I am not big on their talent right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am not big on the group that they are in, uh, in my prediction. And again, for whatever the hell that's worth, I have them coming last in the group. 
Um, I mean, them in Colorado are probably considered yeah. to be going for that third and fourth spot. But like, you know, so when I when he just kept going after Real Salt Lake, again, I don't think he drafted bad players per se. I think he drafted guys who are mostly going to start, if not all are going to start. But I just, I don't find them to be a team that is going to make noise. And with your caveat again, as we'll, I'm sure we'll keep repeating, is like, we don't know. Um, I look at the beginning of his mm-hmm. draft, you know, you can't argue uh, at the end of the first round getting LAFC's goalies. Obviously, if Velo was playing, like, they're their goalies are a top five pick. So probably, I mean, yeah. right. And so yeah. you have to wonder is, is I, I, and was, I think we, this happened with LAFC across the board is they were missing as big an impact as we made it to be generally as a group. And I'll, I'll let you answer that and start your, your thoughts. So I, I think we overrate Vela not being there a little bit, um, which is to say, I think LA is still going to be a great, a great coach. They ran away with first place in the league last year. And I know a lot of that was Vela, but it was also a very stout defense. They only gave up 37 goals, which was the lowest in the league. Um, And so a lot of good talent. And again, it comes back to being an organized, great coach. So I think they're going to be good. I I like what Gord did in the early stages and actually throughout the draft. Um, he did the best thing he could at his position with little information. You know, he doesn't have a big background in MLS. He took LA's goalkeepers, which is sort of the right move. Now I passed on them. You passed on them. So say what you will, but for him, it was clearly the right move. And then he got what I think is one of the best strikers in the entire draft um, um, on what he, what did he call him? Rui Daz or something like that? Rui Daz. Rui does. Yeah, I, I thought that was a nice pick for him as well. So his first two picks, I think, went very well. And and he was planning on going heavy on Toronto. Right. It's baffling to me that, um, you know, that he thought that Toronto, nobody on Toronto would be picked and tell his position because uh, clearly they're, you know, one of the favorites as well. So I'm not, I'm not sure why he thought no one would touch them. But once, uh, you know, both Stroh and me picked Toronto players, it seemed that threw him on a different path, but I think it worked for him. Uh, I think he did the right thing in his early oh, days. Absolutely. I think his, his first half was looking really good. Again, heavy on LA uh, FC worked out for him. And, you know, I think he benefited. I think, as I said, you know, as we said, I think people were a little off on LAFC and I'm not sure that was a correct decision. Um, as it turns out, I do th- wonder when he started moving towards NYC, if it fell apart a little bit. And again, not that he's taking yeah. bad players per se, but I'm looking at the guys he took. Like Ring is a great player, not always the best offensive player, good player, right? Um, right. You know, Tinner Home as a defender, that's a solid pick. Can't argue that. Castellanos pick. may right. not be a starter, especially in the formation they play. Uh, I think. I mean, he's a backup. He's Castellanos is pretty clearly and, the and backup. Um, and and right. Shardy and Matthew as well. Steven might be a backup too. So he takes all these NYCFC guys, and they might make a run. But is he going to benefit from those players as well? And then on top of it, as I mentioned before, um, I, I just don't see it with Real Salt Lake. Now, that, that's the situation when we look at my analysis of Gord's team at the end of this. If I'm wrong, that's where I'm probably going to be wrong will be that like, I, you know, and, and, yeah. and where I look at, like, if you think about the World Cup two years ago, where Gord had that lead after the group stage and then just kind of didn't have the, the horses. You could see something similar here where those Salt Lake guys do put up some points, but they don't get out of the group. And then as he gets to the knockouts, his team becomes, uh, you know, he doesn't have the, 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 the 15 guys to pull from 
And then he's kind of up to the gods as to whether or not his LA guys and his NYC guys play or not. So you can see a situation where he gets out to a pretty good start and then fades as it goes on, in my opinion. That's that, yeah. And I was going to say ahead, that sorry, said, if LAFC that. like runs the table and goes crazy, uh, he'll probably finish pretty highly because he has enough of their starters and, and, and big players for them. Yeah, I know. Look, Real Salt Lake, they, they only gave up 41 goals last year. They ended third in the Western Conference on, I think, a pretty late run. So there was some, some momentum forming, which I think is, is maybe where some of the experts had said, hey, watch out for them. That whole group, by the way, is totally wide open in my mind. Um, I have similar feelings about Minnesota. Uh, so I don't know about Real Salt Lake. I think they have a chance to get through the group. The, the he probably players in the group stage. I've spoken to him and I think he's planning on starting players and, you know, he thinks he's going to start his New York city players, but I think maybe that'll have to change when he realizes a bunch of them are on the bench. Um, so we'll have to see how that all plays out. And the last thing I'll say about the RSL thing is, you know, they were a playoff team last year, but at the same time, uh, you know, they've undergone the goalie change. They had Nick Raimondo, who was a star in the league for years. And now they have a different goalie. And, and again, not a bad goalie, but, yeah. you know, I think part of the reason you could say they gave up so few goals last year was because of Raimondo, who was obviously one of the better goalies in the league for, for that time period. And then, you know, again, not that he knew this at the time, but he goes after their defenders. And of course, one of it turns out today that uh, one of them didn't make the trip, which again, you know, there's the knock on effect of, of that whole situation. So, you know, um, yeah. For me, go oh, go ahead. But well, I was going to say, you know, all of that agreed, but after the first four rounds, he was doing great. I really think he was. He had he had a he had a great uh two a uh, great striker, two yes, really good absolutely. defenders and a great goalie. And then he did round 5 and 6, he he did something interesting. He went for K yes. and at at Twista from LAFC, they make the bulk of that midfield three with uh, Latif Blessing. The only problem with that is there were so many impact midfielders on the board still that get like three, four, five times as many goals as these guys. Yes, K is a good player, so is a Twesta, and they, and they do produce, but you're going to need LAFC to basically get to the finals um, or go, you know, final four to make those worth it. And I I guess that's fine. It comes down to would you rather have a, you know, like a, a, a real chance to score, you know, four or five goals in the group stage or take, take a midfielder who's likely going to sort of, you know, probably yeah, play and, a I mean, lot. And this is a conversation that we goals. had. We did our draft roundtable where we just said, you know, do you want the guys who might be higher profile that you might not think are going to go as far? Or do you want the guys who may not put up the, the numbers per game but may go further? Obviously, he's put a decent bet on LAFC getting to that. Yeah. semi-final stage or that final stage and again you know as we've said a million times i guess we just have to let time dictate this one you know i overall i kind of give um his draft about the same range about that b minus b range because again really good start but again for me i just i can't get past the salt lake thing and i know i might be wrong about that but again when i'm looking at my own thing so yeah. i'm gonna go with because of the salt lake thing i'm gonna go b minus on this draft yeah, I'm going to give him a B plus. Really, other than the ring, uh, Castellanos, um, and where he took uh, Sharadi too early, uh, seven, eight, and nine, and ten. I didn't think he did well, but when he got on Salt Lake, I know I guess we disagree. But with Rusnick, he gave himself a chance at like 
a you know player of the tournament caliber type person uh, you know three four goals from the midfield position if if it goes well for them and i just like that upside there um given how much of a crapshoot it's going to be and and so i think he he did finish fine for me because i'm i'm more kind of so okay with real stuff moving on to me and i and so you know, at the rest of you know there is a certain unfairness to this because of course not the people that are not you and i don't have a chance to necessarily uh, defend themselves or explain their thinking. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to try and do that too much here, um, you know, in kind of assessing my own team. But, you know, I will say that my philosophy when it got to my pick and seeing who was taken is that uh, I, you know, this obviously delves into the RSL thing anyway, but like I, uh, I really like sporting Kansas City's group. Uh, Minnesota United is a good team, but Ike Opar is not going to be in this tournament. Uh, certainly not in the group stage of this tournament. Uh, you know, and Colorado and RSL to me are just are not great teams. They're they're decent teams, but I don't find them to be great. Sporting Kansas City has a base that they've had together for a long time. Then they bring in Alan Polito this offseason and they in their first two league games this year, they went crazy. Uh, they scored a ton of goals. They were winning big. Uh, they, did, they, they didn't necessarily have clean sheets, but they were running, you know, the show. Again, they have experienced players. They have creative players. And I, and I just really like the setup for them. I really think that they can get through the group with at least seven points. And, you know, I think that's because we don't know what's going to happen. And because the bracket with the third place seems is so crazy, you know, you can't really plan for what's going to happen in the knockout stages. So my decision was just to take a bunch of guys from a team that I thought were going to have a really strong group stage. Um, so I kind of went with them. Um you know, we talked about LAFC being maybe not as hurt by Vela not being there. You know, I kind of went a little bit in on Atlanta, uh, figuring that even though Joseph Martinez was not going to be healthy, that they still have a very strong team. Um, and then, you know, so those were kind of the, the backbone of my team. And then, you know, as we got later and I figured there was value, I kind of went a little bit homer with some of my Red Bulls players just because I figured, you know what, this is crazy enough and we don't know what's going to happen. So I did, you know, this is my homers area where I did want to pick some guys that I, I'm going over to root for anyway. So that's kind of that's kind of where I, you know, and and I think the only other team I took a couple guys from was Montreal a little bit later on, and that's was just a function of uh, needing some guys in positions and just seeing that their first guys weren't taken yet, and just figuring again. I don't think Montreal is necessarily a great team, but I think they're like a second place team in their group. And I think that I got their best forward. I got their best defender and I got one of their better midfielders. And you know, I'm just hoping that those guys can give me some points. So I'll let you kind of do the more uh, constructive criticism of my side. Yeah, no, I liked, I liked uh, um, Kansas city as well. I, you know, that was a team that I had identified as one that I would be happy, you know, being on. The only issue I had with you here is I think you took the goalies and you probably should have taken Polito, uh, the forward, who I had ranked as one of the top two or three forwards in the whole thing. And just given the scarcity of the forward position, I really don't think anyone was going to take Kansas City's goalies and the rest of round one and maybe not even till like a pretty significant later round. So don't have any issue with the team. Uh, would have loved to have seen you take the really you know impactful forward who I think is going to have a huge tournament. Um, but again, that's that's neither here nor there. Like you said, I like we have different philosophies, but you took the right defenders. You know, Eddie Seguera is the you know unquestionable leader of the LAFC back line. Um, 
you know, you, you got on a good team in Atlanta that could win the whole thing. And I, and I absolutely love the pick of, um, did you take, um, who did you yeah, take? Pity Martinez. Did you take Martinez? Oh, as at, yeah, yeah. I, I love that pick as well. And so the only that, thing I say about the forward a, thing is again, you know, I, I mentioned this briefly in the beginning, but to me, it's just like, I feel like there's like a bunch of like these second or third level strikers in this tournament that a few of them are going to go off. And I just, I kind of push forwards back a little bit as being like my least important position to go after. <laughs> and, and again, yeah. I don't, and I get, yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. But if you had, if you had Polito and Martinez, I, I think you have two potential like golden, golden boot winners on your team. And then I think you still can get a lot of this, you know, some definitely good po- defenders. Definitely po- no, that's, like. that's definitely possible. But that's, I mean, a, that's nitpicking. You know, I just, I just saw the goalie still there. And I just like, you know, it was tough for me because especially knowing that three or four of the goalies had gone already. Um, and I only kind of saw a couple more that I actually thought were, were pretty good. And with Brian and Gord behind me, I was really didn't know what they were going to do. And, you know, I, I will admit that I think it was maybe a little safe on my on my part. But I also trusted myself to go safe early, hoping that since I think I follow the league more than anyone else doing this, that I would be able to make up for it. That even if I lost the Polito or, you know, and I could have taken Polito in the second round and I didn't. I still went pity instead. And so for me, it was just like, you know, if I if I trust my knowledge of the league a little bit i can still find a couple good forwards later on uh, you know again and, you know, like we'll know in a couple yeah. weeks whether or not i you know i made that you know when polio scores a hat trick in game one i guess i'll look pretty silly but um you know that's at least where my head was with it yeah it makes sense a couple of your later picks that i loved uh Velo from uh new york red bulls been playing great this year very important for them and i think they're somewhat of a dark horse to win and I know they're your team, so it makes sense that you went there. And I liked uh, John uh, from Atlanta United, the, the forward. I know he's a backup, but it's going to be very unlikely, I think, that they're going to be able to play the full tournament with, you know, Martinez uh, and that other, you know, midfielder kind of being a false nine. I think they're going to have to put like a true number nine in there. At some I, point. I, 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 and that's he's going to be where the guy, I went probably. with it. Um, yeah, I mean, again, they're on my team, and, and I've seen everywhere on the Red Bulls from people thinking they're going to come last in the group to, like, they're going to reach the final. Like, nobody knows what to make of them um, because they're the classic system versus player team. I did try and uh, intentionally pick, you know, I went with Kyle mm-hmm. Duncan and below because they're the whole right side of that team. And, you know, I, I attended their first game this year against Cincy, and just the way they interchanged, like, made me excited as a fan of the team for in general. Um, just, you know, Duncan gets up and down, like he has a, an incredible motor. Um, and I think in the first couple of games, he actually had like a goal and two assists in the two games as a defender. And then, um, you know, Bolo had a couple assists in the first game himself. So I'm kind of hoping that regardless of, you know, even if they don't maybe get past the round of 16 or the quarters, that those two can combine up. So that's, that's my selfish, as you said, Homer slash, uh, yes, my Homer hope, but hoping that, you know, I'm not completely subjective when I do it. Uh, I'm not going to grade my own draft because – oh, no, go ahead. What? Well, yeah, one other thought is just this idea that, um, you know, you have a good start yeah. to the year, but then you have three months off and then everything changes. So I just don't know if – because in Minnesota and Kansas City, for example, both had incredible starts to the year. But does that mean anything, right? I mean, New York had a bad start. I mean, granted, right. they were down for 87 minutes a man. Um, haven't scored a goal yet. And a lot of people 
you know, just going on 2019 when they won the Eastern Conference, think there's still, you know, potentials to win. So we're going to have to see, you know, is, is there any momentum carryover whatsoever? It's funny you say uh, it because the I'm difference between, not. <laughs> and to use Sporting KC and Minnesota as, as two examples, is that for me personally, I look at Sporting KC and I think they're more likely to continue it because of the talent, like the name talent they have. Minnesota was fantastic, but they had guys that yeah. aren't considered to be like the best players in the league play really well. So if you asked me, like gun to my head, which one is more sustainable, like a sporting Casey or a Minnesota, I'm going to say Kansas City because Alan Polito is not going to be a worse soccer player when they start playing. Uh, Zuzi and Beasler and, uh, you know, Eiley and like, you know, Johnny Russell, like these guys are, have been very good. And the Minnesota guys, like, yeah, they're good. But like, you know, like Minnesota's like Amarillo's their big striker. Well, he's new to the league. And, you know, Parra was their bedrock. He's not there. So it's just, it's, it's. I, I... Yeah, agree, agree on Ike Parra for sure. The one thing about Minnesota is they, they played that counterattacking. They've shown right. the ability to just put tons of goals in by soaking up pressure and, and hitting back, at least this year, which I, you know, I think is a great strategy. Well, and, for the, question is, even and, if and the other question, of course, is can you look do at that France in 2018? Uh, more than once. <laughs> you know, and again, it, yeah, it, it, we all have that backdrop. So I'm not going to grade. Yeah, that's true. I, I feel like if you're more it, on the it ball, just might be might easier. Be I don't know. Preserve energy. Like if you're right, chasing I'm not going to grade myself time, just because, you know, how, what am I going to do with that? So I will, I will leave you to grade me on uh, what you think. Yeah, sure. So I, the only thing I didn't love is I was not big on the impact, but again, that's just picking teams. Um, but I, I liked sporting Kansas city. I like your defenders. I'd give you sort of, I'll give you an a minus. I think you have a good well, chance. Yeah, that was always good to hear, especially from, you know, a, a fellow bloodline member. Um, so moving right along, we're going to actually jump right into you on this one. Um, so again, before I, I know I kind of go at, go to town, why don't you tell me, you know, you already talked about your broader strategy, but tell me a little bit how uh, you think your roster came together. Yeah, I, I just, again, I tried to let the draft come to me. I had a clear number one player that I wanted to, to take, which is always nice when you, you know, you just, there's a player that you want. And that's one of the reasons I traded up with my father to get to the fifth pick overall. And that was Alejandro Pozuelo. And a lot of reasons, Josie's banged up. Um, if Josie does play, he'll, he'll play in that sort of number, you know, 10 role. Um, but I think he's also going to see the field a lot as a false nine. And he's just had, you know, sort of taken the league by storm. Um, he, I did this calculation based on minutes played and goals and assists. And basically the lower you get, the better. And just to give you a sense, Carlos Vela was like an eight or a nine. And Alejandro Pozuelo was an 18 at the midfield position, which is like, it was the lowest along with another player I, draft, uh, I drafted. And actually, Daniel, or, Daniel Royer of uh, the Red Bulls as well had a 17. So basically, like very high, high ratings across the board. And I was really glad to get him. I think he's really important for Toronto. If they win, he has a chance to, you know, be super important. And then from there, I actually have to pull up the order because um, it was it kind of came at me pretty quickly. I took Ladero number two. You know, I, I was high on Seattle. Great team. They seem to be in shape. They seem to be healthy. Jordan Morris decided to play. Um, Ladero's there, you know, one of their sort of core inspirational leaders. He had a really good uh, track record of goals and assists. Um, he had a 22 on the on the score rating that I mentioned for you. 
So he was my next uh, midfielder. I decided not to jump on goalies. It seemed like everyone else had taken theirs, at least the top ones. So there, there was no point, right? Even though I knew NYC was going to be my next up, uh, I waited another 11 rounds to get them. And that allowed me to get basically, um, I, got, I guess I got five of my top eight midfield targets, all of which I ranked as like A players that I really wanted to have. And I got two forwards that I had as A's of about 12. Um, so when, when you look at that, it was clear that I was trying to go for goals, almost agnostic of the team's. Um, and yeah, so I was happy with that in terms of the defense, basically picking up starters from teams I thought were likely to do well. One from Toronto, one from Seattle, one from LAFC, um, one from Atlanta, and then one from New York and Philadelphia. So no, no platooning here, uh, at least on the defensive side. Um, and, uh, just trying to pick the best players. Cause I think it's going to be a total crapshoot. Um, and then I guess lastly, at the end, I did put together a little bit of a Philly platoon because I thought they're sort of a dark horse as well. And I got um, uh, Brendan Aronson, who's sort of this really young guy who, you know, I thought could be a sort of a breakout youngster in the tournament. And Jamie Montiero, again, two midfielders to go with my other five, both of them good you know, record of scoring goals and assists. And, and that's all. Yeah. So when I went to your team, I- so again, Jared, I just sort of pick, picked my players as as they were. Yeah, ranked. so I mean, uh, like, I think you put together a pretty good roster. I think you're accurate about the Philly thing. Um, I do think Philly was undervalued as a whole. Um, as I said, I kind of stuck away, stayed away from A and B. So you know, I saw Philly for a while, and I was thinking about it, but I just never really got there. Um, you know, I, I I think that as you said, you just you went for defenders on good teams, but I think you know what you ended up doing is I think you took like the fourth best defender on a lot of these teams. And that's not a bad thing per se, because when you look at teams that win these tournaments, like all their defenders end up doing pretty well. Um, your midfield is obviously stacked as you alluded to. Uh, you, you know, your forwards are a little weak. I think you're going to probably be playing a lot of, you know, maybe two forward, but maybe a lot of one forward formations. Um, I know you took, I know why you took Chicharito. I know Chicharito is really good. But, like, he was so bad, like, in those first two games, small sample size, and then Dos Santos is out. So, and I know you kind of took it to troll stroll a little bit. At least that was your reasoning as you as you did it. Um, I do like Diomande. I really actually wanted to take him about when I took the Adam John pick. and But, again, I didn't think I had any LAFC players, and so I didn't take them. And, you know, as it turns out, as I said, I did. So, um, as you said, you also spread yourself a little thin for, for my taste in this. Um especially my, my, that would be my biggest issue with you is that all your defenders are from different teams, which means that at a certain point in the tournament, you are not like, you're going to lose your ability to fold a field lineup possibly fairly soon. Um, that would be the biggest concern I would have if I were you. Um, but again, you can't argue with that. You didn't take good players. It, it's, you know, if this was a regular season situation, you'd be on cloud nine. The only question is, can you keep enough of your players around long enough to get those points in the quarters and the semis and the final. But I mean, as you, I mean, you put out player by player, kind of what you did. And I don't, I don't really have much to say about that. The Philly guys were really good value. Uh, the Columbus guys were also pretty good value. Um, and again, you took guys like Ladero as well, two of the top five midfielders probably in the league. So, you know, uh, I, I mean, I don't have much else to say about it than that. You got a good goalie later on, uh, you know, New York city's favorite to win their group. So, very good all around, as I said. I'm just worried that you might have spread yourself just an inch too thin. That would be my biggest concern. 
Yeah, it, it's definitely a thought. And I, if I win, it's going to be because I have the most important players on the teams that go far. Not necessarily, you know, I, I don't have the Manny like, oh, I've got five of them, right? I, I have, you know, say Columbus goes far. Well, Zella Ryan, you know, has like five assists, right? Something like that. Um, because that's how they're going to do it. Uh, Santos and Zell Ryan are going to have to be incredible for Columbus to go far. Same for Toronto. They're not going anywhere without Pozuelo. Um, and I feel the same about the New York city guys. So, you know, I think I can win just because I, I, I honestly think those teams, if, if one of those teams win, if Toronto wins, yes, Stroh will have a great possibility to win. Uh, but if every game is like three to two, then I don't know if he does, you know? So, um, it's, it really just comes back to this idea of like, what's this tournament going to be like? Are a lot of goals, a lot of mistakes, uh, capitalized, or is it going to be a defensive slugfest? Um, and we'll see, I, I don't know. I mean, you're right. I'm going to, I'm going to be starting a lot of three defense lines in the, in the knockout stages, but that's fine with me. The way we've changed things to give midfielders more points, um, you almost, you don't get as much, but for the guys I got, they're all offensive. They're so offensive minded. And, and, then, and that was important and, to me. And there's so something I should I tried to make I should, up. I should have said this off the top, that. and I'm really derelict for having not. And I, and I just thought about it as it pertains to you. And a big part, because I think it, it's going to affect you the most of anyone I've seen so far, is that you're really like, you're, you might be at the mercy of how teams approach this tournament. As of right now, as of this recording, we still know that the group stage games count for the regular season standings. Which means, do we like our teams going to play their starters as much as possible in the group stage, or is it going to be like any other twenty-four team tournament that sixteen move on, where in the third group stage you see a lot of subs that could very much hurt you there because again you're banking on a lot of points earlier as opposed to a lot of points later. The other question could be like, what if all these teams get to the round of sixteen and just say, "All right, we got our regular season points, and this is dumb. Like we're starting all our eighteen-year-olds." So the question. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it's. I've thought about that too. Right, I, that, I mean, that would that would pretty us. that would screw everybody. I, you know, I, I just I thought about it more it. as it pertains to you, just because again, you've spread yourself out so thin. So what happens in those knockout stage games could very much like impact you in a, in maybe a different way. I, I mean, maybe not. I don't know. Again, it's well. Here's the way I here's the way I think about it. I don't think Chicharito left his pregnant wife not to try to prove something that he was going to be great in this league. Like I really don't think so. Otherwise, he would have just stayed home with Vela. And so my view is these guys are not making this sacrifice that they're making no, to, and I to think, not and I, try. And I think every player that's think on they're the field gonna is going to go balls out. My question is, are the managers going to stand in the way of that happening? Um, you know, I've, I, in all the media I've consumed about this tournament, both before and after the draft, you know, there's been a lot of like thoughts that a lot of these coaches are going to play like their 18 year old homegrown players to get them a taste of MLS, a taste of the league in a very weird situation. And if a lot of managers do that, you know, it's going to mess with all of us. Absolutely. Like, right. If, if you look at, you know, if Sporting Kansas City rolls out the first game with an average starting age of like 19, like, yeah, I have a fucking problem. Um, and, you know, and, and the same can be said for anyone, but I, you know. It's, it's just going to be very interesting. And that's why I said we should have really, we should have really mentioned at the top yeah. because it does affect everybody. But I just noticed it more acutely that's with true. your roster just because, again, you are, uh, I think you would agree that you are looking to bank a lot of points earlier, knowing that you're never going to get like 100 points in the final because you've spread yourself out like that. 
Well, you know, I did pretty much get 100 well, points from Pogba and Griezmann and, the final, and Varane, like three players, right? My philosophy in this whole thing is like, if you have the right three players, that's all you need. So I agree. It would hurt me a bit more because I think I have a little bit more of the sort of team stars. Like I, I didn't go as deep. I, I skimmed the top to take, you know, right. the, the really impact players. The, um, but it doesn't, you know, five, we got five that too. Um, subs. Every like I'm expecting players to get like 45 minute runs, and I really don't think these teams are deep enough uh, to ha- to start all their 18 year olds. And by the way, if they do, I mean th- there could be some really lopsided scores here. And again, that goes more to my uh, idea. I'm just hoping for goals. So I don't think I, I really don't think people are just going to not play like their uh, you know key people. Yes, they might take them out in the 55th minute, but that's going to happen to everybody and. That's fine. That's fine. I mean, it's just the way it is. The other thing is early on, like, I really do want to play my Columbus crew guys, right? So if, like, I don't care. Fine, they don't start, you know, what if, like, I don't know, Ladero decides not to start in his first game. That's fine. I'll sit him. I've got, like, four other guys in midfield who, who can do that. So I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm less worried about that. I'm more worried about the first point, which is just, like, you know, I'm very spread thin. And someone like Stroh, who has, or my dad, who has a lot of, or you on, on Kansas City. If your team wins and, and you know, runs rampant through, then you're probably going to win. And I, I think I've put together a team that's like more, you know, let's, you're, I'm going to win if, uh, it, you know, it's close and there's no clear dominant team. But you're yourself in a spot like where, your, where your floor is Which, very high, right? Like it's almost inconceivable that you could do horribly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> just from my perspective, anyway. I mean, you know, if this right. were, it, I mean, great. I understand people would draft differently, but if this was like the regular season where, like, you know, you didn't have the elimination aspect, like, I mean, I would say that that by some level you would have the best team, uh, you know, and I would definitely give you a high A on that. Again, just because of how spread you are, I would also probably go in that A minus range as well, because again, you know, you could see a situation where we get to the quarters and you've, you know, especially with some of these teams may end up facing each other in the round of 16. Like there's going to be at least one bombshell matchup just by the, the nature of the bracket and, and, you know, everything else. So, you know, you can be yeah, sitting in one of those sure. situations, but I would say, yeah, about that a minus level as well for you. As we, as we just, as we just suck each I other's dick the team on this that podcast. I, <laughs> yeah. Let's just do it. Let's just do it. The team that I really don't want to lose, right. Is, is New York. And I'm not like in love with that idea. Like, I, I would really need New York and hope New York can make a run to the final um, or at least the semis to, to, you know, get a lot out of those guys. Cause I do have the most there. Um, so, and ironically they're in Philly's group. So, but I looked at that group and I just thought those two are clearly the best two teams. Um, so yeah, I, I understand right, why you so, want to stay uh, away So we'll move that. on to Jordan here, uh, our fifth team. Um, and then, so Jordan first had a little bit of bad news today as one of his late picks, which I thought was actually a pretty good steal. Uh, Locadia from Cincinnati is injured, may not play at all in the tournament. Um, you know, we'll obviously get to his depth later. He went, uh, I mean, I, I can't argue again with what he did early. Uh, like you, he stayed away from goalies for a while. Um, so he didn't do that heavy. And, you know, early on he goes Diego Rossi, which again with, uh, Vela out is one of the couple guys that is poised to definitely take advantage of that. Yeah. So no argument there. Um, Barco and Atlanta, pick, yeah. same kind of thing with Joseph Martinez out. Barco and Martinez have to, you know, Pity Martinez have to be the two guys there. So no arguing there. 
Agreed. No, both, he, both he, his, his, his third pick is where it gets interesting for me. And this is where, you know, and we're going to talk about this a lot more with Kayla and Rich when we get to their picks, but it's sometimes tough for me to dissociate what some of these guys are in MLS versus what they are for the U.S. national team. Now, Christian Roldan for the U.S. national team is like infuriatingly like poor and I don't like him and I don't want to watch him play for the national team. That said, when he plays for Seattle, surrounded by Lodero and Rui Diaz and Morris, he plays really well. And he puts up stats. He gets a lot of assists. Uh, and so on, on face value, I, like, I don't like the pick because I don't like Roldan for the national team. But I have to concede that it might be a little high for my taste, but I think that he will be productive. And I, he didn't take him over Rui Diaz or Morris or um, – Who's the other guy I'm missing? Rodero, right? So it's not like he took him over one of those guys, but he is the fourth piece to a pretty good attacking quartet. And I think that Roldan can actually end up doing pretty well. Uh, then he goes, he takes uh, a couple starting defenders from good teams. Yeah. I agree with you, by the way, on Rodan. I think, I think I'm fine with that pick. There's, I thought there was more value elsewhere on other teams, but if he wanted a, a like top-class team, Seattle – um, that that was a solid pick as well. And so then first again, three, takes, I, I he takes agree starting defenders off pretty good teams. Uh, he dumps into Columbus a little bit. That's another team that, again, I've seen the gamut on. I've seen people say that they are a semifinalist, and I've seen people say they're out in the group. Again, it comes down to individual preference. If Columbus has a good tournament between, you know, he has the goalies, he has a couple defenders, you know, in the midfielder. And well, one um... – I agreed on Columbus because, you know, I did draft them too. And I, I agree. I think they're hard to understand, but another team that had some momentum. No. So I'm not going to hit him for that. The one, one I wanted to shout out to him was, uh, uh, City. I think was a terrific. And that, that was one of those guys. Uh, it's really pick. tough. And I guess we all have access to information at this point, but as you know, I was big on Kansas city and I, and I really liked Kenda. And I yeah. think, I can't, I can't remember for sure. I think that, when I when he took him in the sixth round, I knew that in the seventh. And in fact, in the seventh round, I took a midfielder from Kansas City. I knew that that was a guy I wanted to try and take in that range. And I was a little surprised. I mean, I wouldn't say too surprised because again, people, you know, we all take this seriously and read up. But here's a guy again, another new player to the league has had two really good games. Yes, but you know, is an Israeli player that not a ton of people really knew about um, in general. So I think that was. Um, Again, like a, a steal in terms of for like a guy that I really kind of wanted um, from me. Uh, the only yeah, agreed. I, I by the way, I would have taken him if I had even sniffed any of the other right. Kansas City players by then. He would have been, probably, you know what I mean. He would, he was in that group of midfielders that I really targeted. I just was so not close to Kansas City that I went with, um, and I was a little higher on Columbus. I know we'll see how that all. Uh, yeah, and, um, and then yeah. you know. Uh, I think Portland goalies as a late round flyer is actually a pretty decent idea. Um, I mean, you know, Portland's always tough. Even if, even when they're not great, they're a bitch to play. Uh, they're good. They're organized. They have a lot of talent. And there's a backup. You could throw them in there in a couple games. Uh, that certainly doesn't hurt. Um, again, he has a you know he took all five of his defenders pretty quickly uh, early on. So I think he got five good defenders. Um, I'm sorry, five of the six defenders I should say were all taken very early. Um, Again, uh, I think Gressel's a good pick. Uh, I don't think DC's necessarily great, but I think Gressel is – I mean, Gressel on Atlanta was fantastic, and I, and I think he can do that for DC. 
He took a couple of Colorado guys, not my necessarily cup of tea, but Kai Kamara is an established scorer in MOS. Um, you know, no problem there. Yeah. He did leave himself very weak at forward, and especially with this injury now to uh, Locadia, he might have a problem here because there's not a lot in the in the waiver wire to go from there if he chooses to make the change, and I think he has to because since he is not considered a strong bet to get out of the group, and Locadia might be out two weeks, which means he might be out for their tournament. Um, so I think he's going to have to make a change there, uh, but I don't know where he really can go with it. I mean, there aren't a ton of great options right. out there, so he might have a forward problem. Um, you know, Mora for Portland may or may not start, probably not. Uh, Kamara, as I said, is a good bet, and Rossi's a good bet, but he, does he have the depth um, in forward? Right. Kamara is 35 years old now, and again, just, you know, how much can he do? I mean, he could have old man power. But it's just tough to say as your second striker. Now, I'm one who has three strikers, and I'm not going to add to that. So I'll be sitting right next to him with the one, the one attacker. Formation. Yeah, but the issue is he might only, again, you know, if Moore doesn't start and he just can't find another forward, he only really has two options, which is, which is fine for the group yeah. stage. It, but again, you're one bad day away from now having no strikers. And, you know, that's, and that's the risky yep. part. But that said, I, I, you know, for and sure. again, Jordan is not a big MLS fan. Um, you know, he doesn't really watch it. He'll watch the odd Red Bulls game here and there. But I think for somebody, again, who doesn't have a lot of exposure, you can definitely tell he put in the good work. And, you know, I I mean, I think his roster is like a, like probably like a B plus for me. I think he um, – I don't see like a, a, a glaring weak spot. I don't see any players he took that are just like, you know, not going to play, not going to yeah. start. Uh, well, so like a guy like Archer, like I know he's on a team that you have, but I question that pick. I think, you know, if you look at what Archer did, let me just pull up his statistics real quick. My recollection was that he basically never scores. I mean, he played 2,600 minutes in 2019, zero assists, zero goals. Um, two games started all 108 minutes in 2020, no goals, no assists. So yes, very important piece. But you just got to wonder, like, is he going to do anything for you? Or could you have gone somewhere else that even if it's not on the team you're on, like, you know, maybe there's some some true value. But at the same time, for the 16th round, if you have a guy who's going to start game in, game out. And again, obviously, he thinks Columbus is going places or else he's not taking the goalie and the defenders. So, you know, and, and as we yeah. talked about, you know, as you mentioned before, with this change in structure, you know, Artur doesn't need to score a goal or have an assist to get five points a game. Now, if you want to say there's not going to be a lot of clean sheets, prerogative being what it is. But, you know, if he had taken Archer in the 11th round, I would be very inclined to agree with you. But waiting until the 16th round, I mean, I don't have a different problem with it, I, you know, give it for value. Um, I agree with what you're saying about yeah. his. he's not going to score. You're right. But – yeah, for me, it's just like he's already going to do pretty well with Columbus with the, the, the bedrock two defenders goalie thing. So adding – it just doesn't add a but, lot. It but, doesn't give him a lot of at the same time, though, and maybe the at upside. At the same time, if he's it. starting, you know, Barco and Gressel and, and, and Roldan and Kinda for like the first four games, and then a couple guys get knocked out and he throws Archer in at the ass's end of the tournament if Columbus is still around, you know, it's not a bad place to try and pick up at 10 points. It, you're right. He could have taken like an Edison Flores for DC United. Right. But if DC right. goes home, in, but, if, yeah. but if but if Edison Flores goes home in three games and he was never going to start Flores anyway, isn't he better off? And again, we're speculating as to Jordan's thought process. But is he not better off than taking 
a guy that he doesn't even intend to play until the quarters or semis should Columbus get there. Like my, I think, you know, intelligent minds can disagree over which strategy is smarter. But again, for me, 16th round, I don't have a problem with it. I think if it was 11th round, um, I think I would have a much bigger issue with it personally. Did, did Darlington Nagby get selected on Columbus? I took him, I think it was like my next to last pick. Okay, so I was going to say, I think he was available when Arthur was yeah, there. And and that, I remember thinking to myself, yeah. what, you know, that, could have, getting that a, could have been the argument. That would That's your yeah. best argument, actually, I guess it would be he could have taken Nagby, which is actually who I took the next round, even though I had no right. Columbus players. Just because I was like, he's, as I said, he's too damn good not to be taken. Yeah, and he, and he gets points, and he's still a midfielder, and he still plays. So he's everything Arthur is. But more, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I didn't, I didn't love that pick. And I'm, right. again, I'm not on, I'm not, not really into Montreal. But again, um, it's a last round flyer so. on a defender, so you know, yeah, it is. You know, again, it's not the uh, the end all be all, and it, you know, and I think that's always that's kind of the flyer pick as you talked about, where if Montreal's are making a run, at least I guess he has a piece of it on a team that really not many people do. So it actually, you know, who knows? Do you have a grade for Jordan? Yeah. So I'll, I'll agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think his awesome midfield, at least his starting midfield and his, um, you know, he's got one awesome striker. Yeah. I mean, I'd say a B plus two, maybe a B, but, but I'll lean towards B plus. Uh, Moving down to Josh again, somebody who's, who's kind of, you know, peripherally experienced this before, but, uh, but never, you know, actually done it. I know the one thing he said to me after the draft is he, he did find that he, I think he went a little bit wider net than he uh, probably wanted to, um, you know, as it turns out. And I think, you know, it's one of those things that in the moment he took a lot of good players again. So I think, you know, it, it's hard to to knock him for that. But again, the question is, did he kind of go a little bit, spread himself out a little bit too thin? He starts off with a base of Atlanta's goalies, um, which, again, I think Atlanta can do very well. I've certainly taken many of their players. My only question would be is that they're – you know, with Columbus and the Red Bulls in the group, um, is having that game against Cincy enough to value a, a third overall pick? Maybe, maybe not. I can't necessarily, you know, and knowing that he's not coming back until 14, um, you know, you can't necessarily knock the pick and not knowing what was going to happen after him. But, you know, I do. Well, especially right. the first two picks were goalies. So he, he, he might have just made the assumption, like, this is my top goalie. I'm never getting right. So I'm not knocking him for it. I would just say that, you know, it might not turn out to be what he wanted. But again, that, that's, not, that's not necessarily to say he made a bad decision. It is just to say that, you know, with what ended up happening behind him, it, it, it might not have, you know, it might not be as great as he wanted to. He gets Pulido. No arguments there. Uh, Sebastian Blanco from Portland. No, no arguments wait. there. You know, great midfielder. Uh, so you think Blanco and Portland in the third round is you think that was a good pick? Because I think I had a little bit of a um, I issue think with that it one. is in the sense that if you are of the opinion and based on his, like he didn't take anybody from LAFC, he didn't take anybody from the Galaxy. So if you think that LAFC is going to take a hit and you think Portland can get out of that group. I think there's, I think there is value there because even though Valeri is probably the better player, and he does end up with Valeri later, Blanco's like the younger guy. Um, so I, I, I don't per se because, but I'm also a little bit higher on Portland than I think some other people are. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I think he yeah, and, that, and that's later. possible. I think I think he could have picked up Blanco a little bit later. Uh, good player, you know good goal rate, seven goals, 12 assists last year. So, you know, plays every minute, so to speak. So he's a good, good player. And he's what I like, you know, he's a little bit, um, 
Blanco's a little bit older. He's I meant compared to I mean, Valeri's old too. Younger, so, right. Uh, right. But they're both again. They're both pretty old. So I don't know. Portland was a tough one for me to evaluate. I'm also. And, uh, I'm also very not. I would have waited Galaxy, a little bit. So on for that. me, it was easier to kind of go with, with you know against Portland. Um, he also grabs Amaria from Minnesota again. One of those key off uh, off season signings. Love, love that pick. Uh, that's then he be takes Minnesota as their best pick. remaining defender. So again, if you like Minnesota with Amaria, you can't really argue with the defender. He goes Valeri, and we already talked about Portland a little bit, so no problem there. Uh, and, and Jack Elliott is a question mark, if only because we're not 100% sure he's going to start. Um, if he starts, it's a good pick there. And, of course, if he doesn't, then it looks pretty pretty suspect in hindsight. Um, right. Is that, he's yeah. part of that center-back trio, and we just don't know. Um, I would say more places I've seen say he's going to start, but, I'm not, you know, again, that's, it is conjecture. He'll definitely get minutes, though. Um, I'm trying to look. Ariaga's good, you know. And then from there, I think much like you, he took a lot of guys that are definitely going to start. Um, Tader from Montreal, I see, is a good pick. Uh, Bo is a really good striker. I'm just, I just don't think New England's very good, but I think you know, Bo is. I mean, I, you know, he's a very good player. Uh, Ariaga is going to start for Seattle, so that's good. Um, you know, Edison Flores is Mr. Roman. I think is a very good pick. Um, you know, but we've seen what he can do at the World Cup and Copa America. There's no doubting how good he is as a player. The mm-hmm. only question is, is DC good enough? But for your last pick, I think that's incredible value, really. Yeah, uh, that's what I like to see from a last pick, is that potential huge upside pick. Maybe it's super risky, but but that's why it's there. Uh, my, my questions on Ariaga on the Sounders, I know he's starting, but I, he hasn't played very well, and so I was worried when I looked at him. Um is that a player that I think is, isn't going to eventually see the bench? Um, so I had him marked a little lower, but, but even then, uh, but even know, then still, he's, he's, he's going to start for, the pick for like a, like a defender, a starting defender on a team that's considered to be pretty good. So, I mean, you know, it's not like it's not a reach. Let's put it that way. So there's definitely that, that as well. Yeah. Agreed. And, and then I think Hindman on Atlanta, if they go, deep he's gonna have to and he be was really in their first couple matches as well he, uh, he got really, a goal early yeah. on and, and agree so. i agree definitely there so again i see a lot of really good players um i see pretty good balance as well um you know i don't think he's ever going to have a situation where he can't find enough starters uh you know i don't think he's particularly weak at any one position um again the only thing i i said is that and as he said is that he um he he did end up being a little spread himself thin as well. And so he might have some trouble a little bit later on uh, in the tournament. So that was kind of where I ended up with that. Yeah. I mean, it looks like he's on, he's what, on, 11 he's on a lot. And, and again, he admitted that um, after, so we'll see if maybe he, he either tries to find a trade or maybe even hits the waiver wire a little bit to consolidate. But again, you know, much like, as you said, by having maybe nine, you know, you had what you said, nine teams yourself. You know, he did a – he kind of ended up in the same boat as you. I would just say, you know, I don't think he has quite the top-end talent that you do. But he did a pretty good job, as I said. I don't think there's a single player on that team that I think is just – is not um... – so, Yeah, so again, good players. I agree. Good players uh, probably let the strategy, maybe like me, get away from him. So I'd give him a B. I think – it's going to be hard. If it's going to be hard for me to win, which it might be. Yeah, and I'm in the same boat as you. I think the win. B is a fair uh, grade. So. And again, and I think that, you know, if he had a couple of the same quality players as on fewer teams, he'd definitely be up 
a little bit higher than that. But, you know, and, and as you've noticed, we haven't really slammed anybody. And again, there's a reason for that. I don't think anybody really screwed this up. I think that everybody, um, you know, did a pretty good job, especially given the circumstances. Two more to go. Uh, next is Kayla and Rich. And as I, I alluded to this before, but I, you know, they like, they just went out and drafted like some combination of like the 2015, 17 and 19, like U.S. Gold Cup team. Um, we're talking Nick Lima, Aaron Long, Villapana, <laughs> yeah. Zimmerman, who, uh, you know, if Nashville doesn't end up playing, might obviously get bumped. Um, Finley, Legit, Morris, like Zardis. Like that's like half their team is just like these MLS guys who play for the national team. And much like I said with Roald on before, like some of these guys I don't have the best view of. And that's why I said during the draft last night, like this is going to be an indictment over how good these U.S. national team players really are in MLS, because if they're as good as they probably should be based on the fact that they keep getting called in, there's a lot of points here to be picked up. If they're kind of what I think they, a lot of them are for the national team, then there's a problem. <laughs> and, and so, you know, your, your mileage may vary on that. Um, but that, that was the immediate thing that I, that I kind of noticed about this roster. The one thing I thought is just like, I don't know how they can win. Um, you know, if any of the main teams win this thing, you know what I mean? Like to me, for them to win, it's going to have to be a real, maybe a little bit like me, but I can still win with Philly or New York city or even Seattle wins or Toronto. I don't, I don't, I don't know unless the Red Bulls win. I mean, they just are, they're spread out. Um, a lot of teams I don't like Nashville, um, San Jose, uh, probably all these teams are going to be amazing. Montreal, Vancouver, and then, like, yes, you have a, you know, a great striker, Columbus crew, but if the Columbus does well, then Jordan and I will do well. If Sporting does well, then you're going to do well. You know what I mean? It's just, like, I don't, I don't see a path for them to win here. Um, that's just my initial read. Yeah, and, and, and the funny part is that I would be super inclined to agree with exact, everything you just said, except this is pretty much exactly what she did in the Gold Cup, and she won. So the fact that she That's true. She dominated win, us in the Gold Cup. win like this – Actually, we do have a piece of data that supports that they can, <laughs> bizarrely enough. For, <laughs> like, because, yeah, and, no, and the reason you, is they you. have. And she's going to be hurt, though, because she's losing, she's losing Ricketts. She might lose Na Zimmerman from Nashville. So it, it's, gonna, it, it's still going to be tough, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, to kind of go again top down, Seattle number two pick, no arguments there. Obviously, they're, they're one of the favorites. Yep. Doubles down with Jordan Good Morris. Pick. No argument there. Again, you know. Uh, great pick. Great pick there. Uh, now, there was a little bit like, so Morris is a diabetic, and I, I was a little bit worried that he would get cold feet at some point. But I know he's there. He, he's, he's, he's come. He's there, I know. Um, anyway, so it was just like a, a heightened risk factor for me on Morris, but I, I agree. Great pick. Uh, Royer, of course, you know, is from my player. team. My biggest concern with Royer well, is that he's a bit older and that he can't go 90 anymore. And again, that's like everybody in this tournament at this yeah. point, but I'm worried that he just might not play enough um, for that high a pick, even though he's quality. Don't get me wrong. But yeah, I was going to say, I mean, he, it's a high pick only to me because he's on the Red Bulls. And I don't think many people, many other people were riding them at that point. I think he's great. It's a great pick. He's a, he's a proven scorer and, you know, for sure he's 30 years old. So he's not like ancient. Um, 
So I, I actually love this player, and I, I just think it's only high because they might have been able to get him a little bit And I later. think that was probably a game of chicken that she was playing with me, knowing that at some point I was going to yeah. do it. And, like, and, you know, yeah. and the funny part is, like, I, like, I didn't – I wanted certain players, and I was willing to kind of, like, wait her out in certain ways. You know, it kind of gets into the psychology of that. And I'm not going to go too deep into that, but yeah. now, you know, but, you know, she ended up going with Kaku and Aaron Wong as well, three of the most important players on the Red Bulls. I, I have to say, the uh, I think the Latif Blessing pick might be the one uh, that is the difference maker. And again, I said this during the draft, and I'll repeat it now. I saw a story yesterday that they think he might end up playing as, like, up top um, because they have a lot of really good midfielders and with Vela out and all that. That, uh, that blessing might be the one who takes advantage and plays forward as a midfielder. And if that's the case and LA uh, yeah. makes that run, then um, certainly that could be a guy who picks up uh, a ton of points. Um, and he's, and, he's an important player to LA anyway. I mean, he was sort right. of like a big general of their midfield regardless and a, a key player, even if he didn't have that upside. So I think he's, a really, you know, a really nice pick. I think that upside makes him worth it here. I do question, like, I still think they're going to have to at some point put in a tried and true target, man. Um, but we'll see. I mean, we'll see what they do. And there's some other younger players who are definitely vying for attacking roles too. So, uh, you know, I think I, I think Bradley's really going to mix it up. That's what I, th- I expect from LA. And so we'll see. This could benefit Blessing, but... If that doesn't happen, then maybe it's a little bit of a reach, but, you know, who knows. And, and the last thing I'll kind of leave here is, especially if Nashville ends up getting booted from this thing, they ha- either way, they have a bit of a defender problem. There's only four on the roster. Yeah. You need to play three of them. And so, you know, the, and they took six forwards, which I think is a bit high. So, you know, Ricketts obviously uh, is going to have to go. And, and by the time, you know, you listen to this, they might already be gone. And so, you know, my, my – two cents of advice would be to take that spot. And instead of taking a forward, you got to go. They, they probably do have to add a defender to the roster just to give them a little bit more flexibility and all that. And especially because all their defenders are from different teams, which means that if something, you know, if it goes badly, they can be out of, out of a, a lineup pretty quick as it is. So I agree yeah. with you. They're, they're spread a little thin. And, and, you know, as I said, with this MLS heavy roster, you know, MLS US national team heavy I'm a little suspicious of some of these guys because I don't rate them because of their national team. But these guys all make it to the national team for a reason. It's because they're good in this league. I think Legette's a very good player for the Galaxy. I just don't think the Galaxy are great. Um, Yeah, and as I look at the the draft here, Jared, I think their first eight picks or so were actually pretty good. And I think they knew exactly what they were doing. It seems like to me they lost a little bit of steam in the middle, chasing a bit. However, I would point out, I think, Kaku in round 13. Um, and I even will say Buxa in round 18 seem like pretty good value to me. Again, I'm not high on New England, but, um, you know, pretty important impact player for a late pick. So it just seems like, yeah, they already had enough forwards by then, and maybe that wasn't the need. Yeah, and, and you know, but again, in this tournament, who the hell knows? And as I said, when, when I thought about the draft last year, and I even said to her, I go, you're on too many teams. You spread yourself thin, you know, but like they did it once and it worked. And so yeah. even though like I wouldn't pick them to win, I can't say they won't because they literally have won the only tournament they've ever done with this exact strategy. And so, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, 
this is the one where like I know what I'm gonna give it, and I'm not gonna like I'm probably gonna give it that B minus to B range, but it's also the one I'm like pretty sure I'm gonna be the most wrong about somehow. What do you uh you have a, you have a, a grade? I, I yeah, I, I think I'll give it a C plus. I think, and maybe maybe closer to a C because I just think I was I gave Brian a C, so I think I have to give them a C as well. I would I think they're the two sort of weakest teams in the. All right, and last up we have our good old punching bag Stro. Um, Stro trades up to get that first pick, and then decides, as we've talked about, to go very heavy on Toronto. Um, so obviously the goalies. And again, I, I don't think you can quibble with that too, too much. Um, the only, I mean, I certainly think they're going to win their group. The only problem is like, I think Montreal and DC are both fairly decent teams. So I don't know that it's the easiest group, though. I think Stroh did argue that he thinks it is, which you go. And look, I can't yeah. argue that he thinks that I can't say that he's necessarily wrong. I just don't perceive it that way. But again, um, that's just me. He goes after Altidore in his second round, which um, – and I love Josie. I'm a Josie defender through and through, uh, but I, I, I'm just this, – this pick concerns me uh, because he he can't stay healthy ever. A little, ever. little too and high. Whether he's banged up now or not or yeah. – like he just I, – I just – I'm worried about that uh, as a top two round guy. Um, I, I, I don't – I mean, I can't say for sure that he would have gotten him if he waited until – his four or five. Um, but I, you know, and, and funny part is I think that his four or five taking two forwards are two guys are going to have a better tournament than Joseph, in my opinion. I think Rodriguez is going to do well. Well, let's see. I mean, if you think Pavon is a great player in the MLS, but I mean, again, you and I both have doubts of, over the galaxy. Yeah, and and, 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 and even with that in mind, I still think that like, I, I, I don't think Josie's going to play every game because you know, they want to keep him healthy anyway. I, I'm just, I'm like, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. I love the Rodriguez pick. I like the Pavone pick. I mean, if you're into Toronto, you almost, you have to take Omar, I guess. So I like Omar Gonzalez, again, is another national team thing uh, for me that I just can't get past. His other Toronto defender, Oro, I actually think was the, um, you know, was a bigger, was a, a better pick in terms of like value. Uh, what else are we looking at here? We got Morrow as well, a good player, you know, dependable and all that. Um, Stroh, and I noticed this during the draft, Stroh obviously went in with the strategy, like, to hell with the midfield. Um, he did not even take a midfielder until the 67th <laughs> pick. Um, and, and that said, I don't think he has a horrible midfield by any stretch of the imagination. I, he just There's a lot of, like, elite midfielders in this league, and he has none of them. And you really have to ask yourself if that is a maintainable strategy for him to be successful with. Yeah, agreed. I mean, his midfield's weak. Um, I, a player like Medina in New York City could be okay. Molino is pretty talented, I think, in Minnesota. Um, Osario in Toronto, probably not going to start every game. He'll play a lot, but I think there's a little bit of a carousel going on there. Um, Jopalo on the Sounders, I think a good player, but I don't think he's going to be as involved in the goals as much. Um, so he'll probably, you know, see the field a lot. Same with a guy like Bedoya. So I don't love his midfield. I do love his defense. Not a surprise. I think he gives himself an easy, easy path to victory if Toronto does really well. 
my pitch to him to pry away one of his Toronto defenders was basically like at the same time, if they don't win, you're, you might be but totally I think screwed. He, I think he's okay with not, that. Right. And I, it's just not for me, that's not what I, I in, a, in a tournament. And I, I just don't, his midfield, I don't think gets him enough points to carry the day. If, if Toronto sort of gets knocked out early um, and I agree, I like Rodriguez and Pavon. Josie could be okay, but I agree. He's, he's going to be, he's going to be seeing a part-time role for, as far as everything I've read. Um, and Santos, you know, another guy is, is, is maybe not, not, I didn't have him ranked as high as, as he might have. Now that's what I said. So, he got some good value with his defenders. I think McKenzie is going to be a guy who, who does very well. And, and, but you know, and as I said, if he wins, it's going to have to obviously be Toronto winning. And it's going to have to be like his defense getting like 70% of his points. And, and I think that as we went through, I think like every roster has a guy that you can see just going crazy in this tournament. He, he maybe has one. I think Rodriguez is really the only guy I can see going off. Like, and I mean, going off like, like the Hames and maybe, Hames, but I'm talking about like Hames in 2014 go off. Like, I mean, like, like 80 points go off and, because I don't think the Galaxy are good enough, I don't think Pavone can go off to that. I mean, Pavone yeah. could get a goal a yeah. game, but still, you know, and be out in three or four games. Yeah, yeah. If the Galaxy are to surprise, Pavone to me is is the key reason because he's the most talented player on that team now that Chincharito's past his prime, if you ask me. Um, so, so I think Pavone could. I, but I agree. I. I I tend to think that the Galaxy maybe make the second round. And, 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 so. and the only problem I also with Toronto, for me, and again, which is not to say they can't. Obviously, they, they were in MLS Cup last year. They're a great team. But if, if – and this is, this is a massive conjecture. But there is a very real possibility that they can win their group and then play like, like a team like Philly and then like Atlanta, like right off the bat in the knockouts. Like, you know, like, like they have that, yeah. they, they're in that group A, you know, third, you know, group A or group B, D. And I don't know what might happen if the groups get shuffled around, but like they could actually face like a pretty hard one, two, or even like a, maybe like a, um, who could like, you know, even like a, a, a Real Salt Lake Atlanta combo. So that Atlanta thing is really where I'm going with this is that they could easily end up playing Atlanta in the quarters. And if you're going to take a team and like, and kind of bank on them to be like your all or nothing. That would be playing, like having to beat like Atlanta, then like the group a winner. And then, you know, LAFC or whoever the other comes out of the side, like back to back to back to win. And that is, that's a mountain right there. That is, a, that is a hard, but again, of course, I'm saying that knowing that the entire bracket could just blow up and they could have an easy run. But, you know, when I was looking at the, the potential path, that's a really tough path for a team whose best players, by the way, are not, except for Pazuelo, are not the youngest guys in the world, right? Omar's not young. Michael Browley, who, you know, obviously not on his fantasy team, but, like, it's not young. Josie is over 30 and gets hurt a lot. Like, that's, you know, that's a big ask of a team that is not the youngest team in the tournament. But, uh, but, but they have the talent to go that far. Uh, you know, again, that's a concern I would have, but he, but he knows what he's doing. He made his – this is the decision he made for himself. And he knows what it means. Yeah. And he knows that if it goes bad, it could go very bad. I don't think he would argue that point with us. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just don't think he's got the quality outside of Toronto and the two good strikers that we talked about. I, like, yeah, you're just looking at his midfield. It's just not that exciting. Um, 
So I, I'm, I'm so, playing also for me in that like B minus to B range. I think his talent is better than the other teams that I gave that grade to. But again, between the midfield and the fact that even though I think Toronto is very good, I just, I don't think they're going to do quite enough to justify the faith he put in them that, that I to give him that grade fully knowing that if Toronto makes that deep run or wins the whole thing, he's going to win and I'm going to look like an idiot. I I sort of have this gut feel that Toronto can run to the, the semis or the finals, but Stroh's still not going to win. What, what um, would you give it grade-wise? What would you give? Uh, his his defense is an A, and um, even this is going to start, he could fix that in post. And his, even his attack is good. I don't know. I would give him a B. Um, just the midfield's terrible. And I, I mean, we, we did boost the midfield points, so he's not really taking advantage of that. Um, we'll see what Medina does in New York. He's very up and down for them. Uh, sometimes comes off as well. Sometimes rides the bench and, you know, we just don't know what will happen there. Uh, he's got one random Atlanta United defender. Um, he told me he was trying to add another one. Uh, so we'll see if he's able to do that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's just not that exciting outside of Toronto. So good luck, Stro. If Toronto wins, you have a good chance. But I, all right, so but that, I don't that, know. It's going to be that's tough. That's a look at all eight teams. And, again, we, we, as we've said a million times, I think it, repeat, it bears repeating that one last time is, first of all, this tournament is certifiably insane. So everything that we just spent, God, like an hour and a half or whatever talking about is all ridiculous in the sense that, like, anything truly can happen. And, you know, I suspect we're probably not done with guys either pulling out or, you know, there are going to be guys who get hurt. Um, so, you know, and even the guys who say, well, this guy might not play very much, it might turn out that guy plays a lot. Or conversely, it might turn out that, that guy doesn't play very much at all. Um and I think, you know, we spec- we, we've kind of given that caveat enough times. But I do think as we wrap up, it is worth um, kind of pursuing that idea. So we, we, we've graded everyone. We've kind of gone over everyone's roster fairly closely. You know, hopefully we spent about the same amount of time on everyone. I'd like to think we didn't short shift anybody or anything like that. Do you have any, uh, any kind of closing thoughts on, on what you kind of have seen throughout the uh, – throughout the, the day since we've kind of done this. No, my overall thought is basically that we all did a pretty damn good job considering the difficulties of learning an entire new league um, and just going into this with no idea how it was going to go. So I, I thought everyone did well, and I think it's going to be pretty close ultimately. I, I, I don't see anybody running away with this one. Um, and I think, so. it, and I think it is. It, it's a good thing. I think also that there isn't a roster that we look at and just go, "This is this this is it." Like this is like this team's coming in last. I mean, I think that you could sell me on a lot of different people's teams falling. I mean, pretty much anyone's team can fall apart. To be fair, but like you know, uh, it, it's. I, I don't even know that I could sit here and try and like predict who I think would actually come in last. Um, I, like, because I don't think anyone did that bad a job. And I think there's so many mitigating factors that you could easily make a case for just about anybody for why they would not. And of course, um, which is a good thing. We, you know, I think it's, it, it's, yeah. it's less fun if we have a 2017 confed cup situation where like, we just look at Gord's team. We're like, there, like, there's just no shot. Like he's coming last. <laughs> like we know this is about to happen. And I think conversely, I don't think there's a, a slam dunk favorite. No, um, I don't think there is either. I, I think, I, you know, we each graded each other's teams uh, a little higher than anyone else's. 
I mean, honestly, I don't know that that's not a product of the fact that we had to say it to each other's faces versus just saying it to people who have no chance to defend themselves. But, um, you know, I have like an A minus team, a couple B plus teams, a couple B, te- you know, or, you know, or whatever. So I, I think when you think about it that way, you know, you're talking about those fine margins between somebody coming in first and coming in third or fourth, that could be be that one guy having that one, two goal game, which I think is the ideal. It's what we aspire to have uh, objectively. And obviously subjectively, you want to win by a hundred, but I think when you look at it, you know, I think that we put ourselves in a spot where when it comes down to those semifinals and the final, assuming we have those, um, (laughs) I think we're in pretty good shot. I will say this. I will say if the tournament gets like, it gets canceled after the group stage, I, I do peg you as the favorite. Um, like if, if we have the dire situation that happens where like the league just can't make this work, I actually like think you're have a pretty good chance because again, the fact that you diversified so much wouldn't matter at that. Yeah, point. exactly. But in that case, I'd probably leave a lot on the bench and screw it up. And then well, I, even if I did win after the group stage, I think that we, we can all put a, a massive uh, asterisk on that. And you would know all about winning something <laughs> with an asterisk. Yes. Uh, before I let you go, do you have any, as I said, any final thoughts? We're certainly going to do more of these shows uh, once the tournament starts and, and, and kind of start going at, you know, giving the analysis as we go. But do you have any pre-tournament final thoughts before I, I let you go? No final thoughts. I'm excited to watch very mediocre football. Hey, mediocre football is better than no football at all. I think we would all agree. I want to thank Jeff Menem for coming on and giving me a lot of his time to go over this draft. Uh, So I do thank you, Jeff. You got it, man. And we will be back right after this to wrap it up. Thanks again to Jeff Metem for joining me on that MLS draft recap. Uh, I'm really excited for the tournament to get started, despite how crazy everything is and everything, you know, and everything surrounding the tournament. It is good to actually at least have some semblance of fantasy soccer in, uh, in my life and hopefully in your lives as well. Uh, this will certainly not be the last episode of the show during the tournament. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens as, as any news breaks or once the game starts, certainly, and we have something to talk about, um, statistically speaking, fantasy speaking, you know, who gets off to the hot start, whose players don't even play and all that fun stuff. We're going to definitely talk about that. We'll definitely have some different guests on the show to talk about their teams and what's going on as well. Uh, that's all for now. Thank you for listening and uh, good luck to all as we start our journey into a new Golden Balls tournament. Thanks and good night.